Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast, episode 23. We are talking return to activity and pain. If you've been wondering when you should return to your chosen sport, movement, pattern, or activity, if you're thinking, should I push through the pain, should I take it easy, or should I just keep going regardless, this is the episode for you. My colleague and co-host Rob Bevan and I chat through our top tips that we'd normally give to patients in the clinic every day, so we thought we'd share some of these ideas and some of these tips with you guys too. If you like what we're doing here, do head to your favorite social media platform, search for us under The Back Pain Podcast, give us a like, subscribe, share with your friends and loved ones or anyone you think might benefit from what we are doing. If you want your questions answered live on one of these fantastic podcasts, then shoot us a message. We're trying to get through them all at the moment and we'll see if we can answer you directly or... We'll do it through this wonderful medium of podcast and we'll help you out that way too. Fantastic. So episode 23, when should I continue with my activity despite my back pain? Let's go. And we're live. Dave, how are we doing? Good morning, Rob. I'm doing great. Thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. It's a beautiful day over here. And you? Uh, yeah, sun's out, sky's blue, sunshine and lollipops, mate. Last day of September for sunshine, I think. Fantastic. So we've got a, a jam-packed episode today. What is it we are covering? Cool. Right. So today we're going to be talking pain and aggravating factors with your return to activity. So if you're feeling pain on doing certain activities, when should you stop? When should you keep going, push through? And when should you leave that altogether? Uh, Rob, you've been talking about this quite a lot in clinic this week, haven't you? So um, do you want to take it away? What would you uh, tell to someone who's asked you this? Yeah, it's a really common question that people ask, which is, you know, how much pain should I experience doing firstly an activity and then during any exercises, which you know, I may have prescribed them or they may have you know, found on the internet or whatever it might be. Um, and it is a tricky one uh, because you know, pain is very subjective. Uh, you know what one people what 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 one person say it really hurts when they're doing this exercise. Another person might say no, I, that's totally manageable. So my advice is is that is is it's quite subjective. Is depending on your pain levels, I don't want you to push through any exercises which are significantly increasing your pain. And that's what I say say to patients. Now that doesn't necessarily mean pain at the time, although that is one reason. But often exercises will be feel or something may feel fine at the time, but we have to look out for what's called the 24 hour pain response. And that means looking out for how your pain changes over the following 24 hours since doing an exercise. So if, for example, you've got, you know, you've you know, sprained something in your back or you've, you know, sprained your Achilles or whatever it might be, it's, you know, how much load can you, or how much can you make that tissue work without irritating it too much? So, as you said, if it doesn't hurt at the time and it's not increasing your pain the following morning, then that's fine. I like to, if it is causing some pain, I'll try to kind of find out how much pain that is. So is that stopping people from getting out of bed because it's too painful the following morning or is it just a bit uncomfortable? So I'll say try and keep it under 
three out of 10 is kind of my normal advice, which is really hard to quantify. Um, but if they can still function, it's just a little bit uncomfortable, then, you know, that's kind of manageable, then I'm, I'm fine with them doing it. But it's not, you know, if it's causing them 10 out, of, 10 out of 10 pain when they're doing their, you know, squat or doing their lunge, then I'll say, no, that's too much. And we need to tone down the exercise or tone down the volume or tone down the reps or something. Excellent. So tell you what, would there ever be a case though where a two or a three out of 10 would still be too much, Rob? Um, typically, if someone has a lot of leg pain, so if they have uh, lumbar radicular pain, if you want to go back to our sciatica episode, you can find out more about that. But, you know, really acute sciatica, raging leg pain. Um, and often when the leg pain is worse than the back pain, so often these lumbar radicular pains, these sciatica pains will start with back pain and it will progress down the leg. If they're at a point in their pain journey where the leg pain is significantly worse than the back pain, almost little or no back pain, I won't like them to do too many activities or almost any activities that aggravate the back pain. The, uh, yeah, so if, if there's any activities that are increasing their leg pain even slightly, I won't get them to, to do anything like that. Even if that's a two out of 10 leg pain, I'll, I'll try and find a different exercise or, or something different. If it's increasing their back pain slightly, I'm okay with that. But if it's increasing their leg pain, I don't like them to do that or, or kind of push through that. Now, there are a couple of exercises, um, you know, slumps and uh, a few nerve glide type exercises, which... It has a bit of a caveat, but that's kind of for your, your healthcare professional to kind of discuss with you. Um, but no, so there are a few exceptions to that, but generally I won't like any increasing leg pain. Now, Rob, I know we're the back pain podcast, but look, could we use this for neck pain as well? If someone's getting pain in the neck and also down the arm, can we apply the same um, uh, same rules here? Yeah, I, I do that, especially with, with the neck and arm pain. So that cervical radicular pain. So when you've irritated, that nerve is really peed off in your neck and it's sending horrible pains down your shoulder blade and down your arm, I find that even more so those can be really, really sensitive. So I you know, really will restrict them from aggravating that arm pain or that shoulder blade pain with any activities and try and um, you know, reduce anything that irritates it, uh, which, which can be tricky. And it's often when they're really acute, it's a bit of a, it's a hard job to find something that doesn't aggravate it, but it is possible um, once you've, you know, tr- uh, with a bit of trial and error of a lot of different exercises. But from experience, you'll find out which ones work and which ones don't work, you know, in, in a lot of the time, but there are always exceptions to that. <laughs> Absolutely. So that three out of 10 rule when it's more mechanical, muscular ache pain, but any irritation of a nerve pain, and we're going to be reducing that activity right down. I, I Yeah, I think so. And the, the other slight exception, again, as with pain and injuries there are so many exceptions and so many caveats to that if someone has a long-term chronic pain you know kind of long-term 10 years of back pain or kind of 10 years of you know achilles tendon pain or knee tendon pain then i don't mind them pushing it a little bit further um kind of into the pain not so much that they're crying you know that is Mm. it's not too much but often you know people can be very very sensitive um when they've had a long-term pain and you know sometimes pushing them a little bit further in certain cases is, is beneficial but uh, again there's lots of <laughs> l- l- lots of differences from patient to patient absolutely individual cases will of course apply um so look, let's talk about getting back into said activities now when we're talking activity here folks this could be sports yeah it could be gardening it could be walking down to the shops this is all going to be dependent on your normal level of activities or of course the activity level you'd like to get back to rob if i'm a uh, a gymmer do I go back in, lift the same weights I always did? If I'm a gardener, can I still go out there and do six hours at a time? What do you recommend? I, I go back to the same rules and people ask that a lot. I will say, yeah, you know, obviously if you've hurt your back deadlifting, for example, 
or doing a squat or doing a, an abdominal crunch, whatever it might be, is not going straight back in and doing the same weight that you're doing before, but early, but you know, introducing that movement early is quite important, but just reducing down the volume and reducing down the repetitions. Um, you know, so if you were hurt your back deadlifting, say hundred kilos, doesn't mean you go back in and you load up the bar with, you know, aiming to get to hundred kilos. It just goes warm, warm up well with a bar. Another trick I like to give people is to just put, lift the bar up a bit higher. So you pop a couple of weight plates underneath the bar or underneath your weights, underneath the plates, and you can just do a slightly smaller repetition just to help to get yourself back into it. And that goes for every exercise, whether that's running or, or, or gardening, you know, go for a run. You know, if you've got a, got an injury from when you're running, just reduce that time you're out there slightly. Um, you know, go from a 10K to a 5K to build up a bit slower. If you can't run, you know, do some hill reps, you know, hill walking at a fast, at a fast pace is quite beneficial. Or run walk, um, which is something I use a lot uh, with returning to sport, getting people to do a run walk. And what that means is from minute one, not just from when you're tired, set a plan in place to do, okay, I'm going to run for two minutes. I'm going to walk for 30 seconds. I'm going to run for two minutes. I'm going to walk for 30 seconds. And then you can then tweak those rest times or those rest periods to, to, to make them harder. So then you can, that can build up to doing a nine minute run and a one minute walk. And it's something when I was doing triathlon, I pretty much always did a run walk. I hated running. I'd never got any better at it as much as I tried. So I always did a nine minute run and a one minute walk. And it gave me a little boost, a little mental boost whenever <laughs> I kind of got to that nine minutes. It's like, oh, I can, I can stop and I can do a nine minute power walk. And I find that for me personally, again, I'm, I'm not a triathlete. I'm not a triathlete, uh, you know, an athletic coach or a, pers- or a personal trainer, but that uh, was, was good enough for me. And I was always a better runner with those little breaks. But as I said, I am far from a runner. <laughs> That's fantastic, Rob. So we're decreasing the overall load on the body, whether it's through time, physical weight, activity, breaks, uh, decreasing that physical load. One thing I always like to mention to people is for the first few sessions, they're back on the roads, back in the garden, back in the gym. Don't wait until you get pain to tell you to stop. So if you're going to go and back and embark on your first session back, I always suggest try a smaller session leave the gym, leave the run, leave the garden, dissatisfied. I could do another 10 minutes in there. Don't wait until you've really fatigued yourself or wait until there's the presence of that three out of 10 pain to stop. I always say leave with some left in the tank. This means you're not pushing right up to your maximum and it helps you gauge where that line of um, uh, irritation is much easier. You're not jumping straight back in too fast. Um, That's one big thing that I always recommend especially if we've been looking forward to running, getting back to the gym, uh, I don't know, doing a 10K round a shopping mall with loads of bags. If you've been waiting for ages to do that, as humans, we often get a bit overexcited and we overindulge ourselves on that first session back. Try and hold back because we all do it. We get in the pool, we swim too many lengths. We think, oh, I've got pain now. We might have been able to stop beforehand. Uh, Yeah, that's Dave's top tip for today. No, thanks for that, Dave. And one other tip which we had from... Brad Beer, who was talking about the about returning to running during activity, was something that I'd always done, and in my was my error was telling people to run on a softer surface when they're coming back from injury. So I used to tell people to run on grass, um, or you know something like just as a slightly softer hurt surface. He said no, the opposite. He said the firmer surface when you're returning from injury is better. You get a better kind of reaction force. You, you don't slip as much. You know all those type of things. There's not that you know. Although it's not the impact that's the problem. It's that response to the impact, and uh, that's that was a really interesting. Uh, tweak which I've I've 
made since listening with uh, or since his podcast we'll have a have a long go that was a couple of months ago yeah that's a really common thing run on grass it's a softer landing so that's not that's not true okay there we are yeah myth busted for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. fantastic and i think the same goes for gardening as well you know that is you know it's something which we see all the time you know people gardening is such an important activity to so many people people want to have those beautiful looking gardens and they're you know it, that is a quite an intense activity. You know, that is a gym workout, you know, a lot of gardening. The amount of times you're lifting and bending and carrying, you know, so you have to return to these a little bit, you know, kind of carefully. Oh, carefully is probably the wrong word, but, you know, with a little bit of common sense, you know, and just think of it like going back to the gym. Yes, don't go straight back into doing everything you're doing before. If you can do it without pain, then carry on. But just monitor those pain levels. Make sure it's not too sore the following day. And just, you know, kind of ease yourself into it a little bit slower. Absolutely. Some of the issues with things like gardening, walking or lower weighted, lower force activities is that it's the same force over a much longer time. So you can still cause an irritation, but you don't necessarily feel it creeping on. If you're just lifting uh, some, I don't know, buckets of petunias, um, it might not be the same as a hundred kilogram deadlift, but do enough of them, that same level of stress of response through the spine will be there. So no wonder it can still cause people some irritation. Take regular breaks, set an alarm on your watch or your phone 20 minutes at a time to stop yourself going over those timelines and slip it into that three out of 10 or even worse, four or five out of 10 pain scale. No, exactly. And, you know, is it worth mentioning? Here's a good point to mention that, you know, if you're gardening, you're bending and picking up a lot of heavy things a lot of the time, you know, practicing that helps to build your resilience so if you know your back is always hurting from deadlifting you need to get stronger from gardening you need to get stronger at bending down and picking things up in a lot of the times and i'll pull out a kettlebell with a lot of patients and say cool pick this up and they go oh i can't pick that up that's really heavy (laughs) and you know you look at it and it's a 12 kilo kettlebell and when you weigh a bag of bark or a bag of compost you know it's not far off and you think you know it's a much more awkward thing to pick up so Building that resilience just increases your threshold. So, you know, the next time you're doing, you know, picking up 10 bags of sand or 10 bags of manure from your from your uh, you know, car to your to your garden, then it just helps to build that tolerance and reduces the chance of you having a problem further down the line. Absolutely. Carrying a full water bottle is essentially a suitcase deadlift. It's, um, yeah, <laughs> it's a dangerous sport gardening. Yeah. As you can tell, if you we don't are, know, Dave and I quite like deadlifts. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. As you can tell, though, guys, look, we're at the end of September here. This means that it's the last few days of summer. My, uh, Rob and myself have been seeing lots of people in the uh, clinics these last couple of weeks. Guess what? They're all coming in with gardening issues or post gardening issues, we should say. That's because a lot of people will try and get the most out of these last few weeks. They do as much as possible to the garden before it gets too cold, too wet, and too windy. They overload the spine and therefore they can get back pain. Who would have known, eh? Gardening, dangerous sport. Exactly. So when, here's one for you, when do you get people to rest? So when do you tell someone to rest? Well, tell you what, what I'll do before I say that, let's break down the word rest because this can be a bit of a tricky one. Now, when we say rest and when you're told to rest by most healthcare professionals, we're talking relative rest. So it's a rest from the aggravating activity. Rest does not mean the old bed rest situation. Lie down on the sofa, don't do a thing. We'd like some relative rest. We still want you active, but within your pain-free regions. So that still means gentle walking if it doesn't aggravate your pain. That still means getting up, moving around the house. It could be going out for a 10-minute walk if that doesn't aggravate your pain. 
but it's rest from the activity that <clears throat> is causing your problems. Does that sound right? Yeah, Rob? relative rest. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a term I use as well. It's it, yeah, it's resting from the thing that's annoying it basically. So finding out what's annoying it by keeping a pain diary or monitoring your pain levels, you know, via an app on your phone, and then just cutting back or reducing that activity until you can get your pain levels under control. Mm. So as for when to rest, um, yeah, I'm the same as you. If it's reaching over a three out of 10, or if within that 24-hour period, it's vastly aggravating your pain, we say to rest from that activity completely. That can be a bit of a bane if you've got something you really want to do, if you're competing in a sporting activity, but it's about relaxing and resting and healing those structures now to allow better training, better movement and better activity in the future. No, yeah, exactly. And often, as you said, people think rest and, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, people were told regularly by healthcare professionals, oh, you've hurt your back, you know, go and lie down for you know, three weeks, you, or, or you've, you've slipped a disc, go and lie in bed for three weeks. And then, you know, people were coming out and, and, you know, being in a lot worse state. And then we had, you know, an influx of a lot of people end up having kind of surgery after that, when actually early movement is so, so important. And so, so to, to get people back, to get back to function, you know, lying in bed for three weeks, things start to atrophy. You know, even now you have a knee, knee replacement or a hip replacement, you start walking on it on day one, when you get out of the hospital. I know that's a Slightly different analogy to a, you know, to an acute sciatica or a slip disc type episode, but you know, getting mus- muscles moving is so so important for for recovery and, you know, and healing. And luckily, we've come a long way from that <laughs> in those those few weeks. Even I remember as a kid, you know, and I'm not that old, you know, friends, parents, you know, oh oh, he's hurt his back, he's in bed, you know, for you know, he's been in bed for the last two weeks. So. He took to his bed. <laughs> took to his bed, yes. With uh, <laughs> Yeah, fortunately, we're, we're thankfully uh, long past that, I do hope. Do listen in to our bed rest episode um, uh, for more info on that. Rob did a fantastic episode all about that bed rest. Check us out. And I think there is one, looking back to the Sartica episode with Tom Jessen, he was talking about how there isn't actually a lot of evidence that, you know, short-term periods of rest is, is a problem. So he was saying that actually, you know, if you've got acute, horrific sciatica and you know we've all seen these patients who can't do anything it, it, it is okay to really take it easy for a day or so mm. um you know i know we're saying that exercise and movement is always better but if you're in complete agony and you know the people who you know can't even breathe they're in so much pain real real 11 out of 10 pain you know just sometimes taking 12 or 24 hours to really you know really rest isn't you know necessarily a problem as long as that isn't weeks and months on end i like it perfect Good. No, thanks for today, Dave. I think that kind of sums up most of my most of my thoughts on kind of exercise and returning to pain and pushing through pain. And you know, <laughs> I think that kind of sums up most of them for me. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely perfect. When should I push pain or push through pain? Fantastic episode. Thanks, Rob. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening. And please, if you are listening and want to find out more, you can visit us at The Back Pain Podcast on all social media uh, accounts. Or you can visit our Facebook page uh, or support group specifically for people with back pain and sciatica, which is called the Sciatica and Back Pain Support Group UK. Have a look on there. There's a couple of thousand people in there all going through similar experiences, sharing what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them. Lots and tips and tricks from us. So find out more there. Awesome. Fantastic. Take care, guys, and have a lovely evening. All the best, Dave. Bye-bye. Bye.